You heard it right, comrades. You're listening to Workers' Power on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM with Hannah and Bill. Uh, so we just listened to our brand new show intro. How good, how good is that? This is so good. We're very, very proud of it. So thank you so much to Chris Bingham and the Starvation Orchestra for putting that one together for us. And thank you to Liz Witt for bringing us Art Card this week. It was a delightful show. So this week on the show, we have plenty of works, workers action. Uh, we'll be talking to Debbie from the United Workers Union. And of course, we'll be having the world famous Scallywag of the Week. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yagara and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening in today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparations and land rights. We live and benefit on stolen land. It's time to pay the rent. Great stuff. How good is that new intro? That was really, really good. So, uh, yes, you'll know when it's time for Workers' Power. <laughs> I, feel all, I feel all professional now, so uh, we'll have to do a good job of uh, uh, reporting workers' news. Um, first up, uh, it's getting towards the end of the year. and it um, definitely is. <laughs> yeah, so this is our second last episode of the year. So next week uh, we'll, we'll be doing our uh, scallywag of the year. Yes, So just as be. an intro, so if comrades are out there listening and they, they want to, uh, um, what they can do is they can... Uh, Message message us in at the uh, uh, SMS while we're um, while we're on air on oh four two zero six two six seven double three. That's oh four two zero six two six seven double three. And um, let us know out of these, or if, if it's outside the show, you want to just message us, send us on a message on Facebook Messenger, or uh, send an email or, or an email. Yeah. However, if you can contact us. Yeah. Sorry, say that again, Jackson. Uh, WorkersPower4ZZZ at gmail.com. Yes, because we want to know what you think before we announce the scallywag of the of the year. And we want comments. Yes. You know, so comments. We can't do swear words, but uh, you're allowed to be disgruntled in those comments. So. So, um, yeah, yeah, let, let's, uh, uh, let us know your feedback and uh, we, we'll, we're going to have a bit of a fun next week. We're not going to, uh, we, unless there's something dramatic in, in the industrial relations field, uh, we're going to do a Scallywag of the Year special where we're just going to talk about all the Scallywags of the Year. We'll yeah, let all our frustration out. That's and right. And, um, yeah, put the year behind us. So here, here are some of the candidates. Here are, here are the front runners, uh, uh, so to speak. So we've got uh, Rio Tinto who are destroying caves and sacred... Uh, destroying caves sacred to First Nations people. And Justin Hemmies. What's that? I've forgotten the name of his company, but he's a, a big... That's it, Maryvale. Yeah, $126 million wage theft, um, you know, and making workers work for 100 hours uh, working weeks. Oh, he's, he's, he's uh, my red-hot tip. And... Uh, Peter Biagini from the TWU favours uh, this one. Alan Joyce, he's just a, he's just a wage thief and other stuff. Plenty plenty of reasons not to, or plenty of reasons for him to win Scallywag of the Year. We got Circa, good old Circa, who run the refugee concentration concentration camps, or Christine Holgate, who's the Oz Post boss. Um, well, she se- was. 
was. Yeah, she that's was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think I think they've won their own Scallywag of the Year award with no income anymore. But uh, that that uh, Oz pays seven million dollars bonuses while firing workers and. And running a public asset like a business, that's the worst part of Australia Post at the moment. Coles. We'll we'll just leave Coles for being Coles. (laughs) And then, look, Maccas for For being being Maccas. Maccas. (laughs) And then get this one, Andrew Forrest for being... Andrew Forrest? Yeah, 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 yeah. All all the the stuff that he does, you know, he... Um, takes advantage of the, of the land and uh, um, and then uh, put, uh, gets behind uh, you know racist uh, cashless welfare cards. So yeah, there there are a few of the front runners. If if, if you've got someone who 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 we haven't even mentioned, that that's where you know you've got someone who we haven't even mentioned during the year, and you think that they deserve a a, a Guernsey and Scallywag of the year. Um, yeah, drop us a, a text. Um, a Facebook message or an email and um, we'll include it in next week's show. Sounds fun, doesn't it, comrades? Yeah, send us your endorsements. And yeah, yeah. Them out. So we're going to jump into some First Nation workers' action. Is anyone, do you want to do yeah, that? Sure yeah, thing. So a 53-year-old Perth man has been charged over allegations that he defrauded Warman, a remote Kimberley community of around $3 million. Craig Robert Dale was charged on Tuesday with 15 counts of gaining benefit by fraud following an investigation into conduct in 2013. Western Australia Police alleged that Mr Dale had offered to replace a burnt building and build additional housing for staff, reportedly telling the Community Council to pay the funds up front into a trust account. Mr Dale allegedly told the community that the WA Department of Housing was willing to reimburse the amount it paid for the works. Western Australia Police said in a statement that the $2.99 million was deposited into a personal account belonging to Mr Dale and was used for personal purchases and gambling. The accused man did not have the authority to act on behalf of the then Department of Housing, nor did he submit any proposals or claims directly to the agency, the statement said. Mr Dale appeared in the Perth Magistrate Court yesterday morning and was granted bail with a $50,000 shorty. Mr. Dell is next due back in court in January 2021. Earlier this week, Warman Communities Acting Chief Executive Robert Skasteris said the missing $3 million had caused a significant financial burden for the community to overcome with the news that Mr. Dell had been charged being a welcomed relief for the locals. It's huge. If you're aware of other Aboriginal communities outside, funding from all all sources is very tight, he said. To be able to plan for the future and actually meet basic requirements in the community can be very difficult. It does have a big impact. What a grub this Mr Dale is. Yeah, what a grub. You know, to take $3 million, what was the gambling and, and the like, you know, this this guy should be on a cashless welfare card, yeah. you know, <laughs> fair income. That's a lot of gambling, like, yeah, I must is. say, $3 million, wow, eh? How did he think he was going to get away with it, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just probably thought that no one would say anything. Yeah, wow, he took it, yeah, oh well, he got caught and, I don't know, in my opinion, he deserved to, because that's pretty bloomin' grubby behaviour. Hmm. Yeah. 
Right, uh, the next story is about wild weather on the north coast threatens sacred indigenous sites. Yeah, this one's pretty close to home for my family because this is um, Oracle country where my partner Smiley and Jimmy, that's their, that's their homeland. So. Yeah, right. yeah. so storms battering the New South Wales north, north coast have put key indigenous cultural sites at risk, including two ancient middens on the beachfront of Byron Bay. Traditional owners fear the savage weather conditions which are attacking the coastline at Clark's Beach will destroy two middens that have huge cultural significance and which were used in Bundajolung people's successful native title claim. Traditional owner Nicola Clark uh, said the possibility of permanent destruction of the sites would be a significant cultural loss. My elders had worked for over 30 years to preserve and protect that site, so a lot of that hard work will flush with the sea because of the erosion and the rising tides, as well as other environmental impacts on the sites that we are currently dealing with. It is more or less getting demolished, said Ms Clark. The midden which has most come under threat is estimated to be more than 263 years old and contains shells and animal remains and stone tools used by the Arakwal people prior to European invasion. It isn't the oldest one here on country, but it has still been here for a significant amount of time, said Ms Clark. We have protected it under the National Parks and Wildlife Act and as Aboriginal people we have preserved it as a place of significance and now it has been hugely impacted by the weather conditions along the human activity in the area, along with human activity in the area. The damage itself is a mass erosion which is causing the foreshore of the beach to come up and eat away at the sand and layers of our middens and deplete the site. Ms Clark said that the area's traditional owners will be working alongside environmental agencies and local council in an attempt to salvage the sites and to limit future damage caused by human impact and wet weather conditions. Education is the key right now. As always, that's my comment that I'm putting in there. Yeah, same. (laughs) We encourage all community members, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, to research and educate themselves about these sites of significance and to approach them with more consciousness, which will play a huge role in the preservation. Um, That was a great story from uh, Mikkel Siren of the NITV. Thank you very much for that story. Um, The last story was also written by that person. Wow, two. We, we, we've plagiarised two from them. <laughs> what an honour for Mikael Siren of uh, NITV. Thank you very much for your work. Keep, keep it up. And uh, they are a really good source uh, for uh, First Nations news. So, yeah, they're um, my go-to. <laughs> yeah, go and, go and check them out, you know. Um, uh, that, that's in – not only is there the, the – um, their uh, um, what, their television station, so it's, but also their their Facebook page and their website are all you know all great stuff, great great uh, things to uh, to educate yourself on First Nations people. So what's a midden? So do you want to go, Hannah? Or? Uh, a midden, it's like oh, I probably won't be able to describe it it's, very it's well. It's where they eat. 
It's where they eat and sell all the all the shells and 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 um, whatever they put all in the one place. And so and they go there every year, and that's the place where they go and have have their feast and and they build up over over centuries. You know, there's some that they found that are thousands of years old. That the the the, the, the those people of that land have been going there and and uh, um, uh, eating there. It's mainly it's mainly shellfish, you know, you know, and and there can be some animal bones and things like that but that's where they put put to all that stuff and uh, I, I seen one down on the south coast and uh, um, it, it was uh, way down in New South Wales south coast and uh, it was near this lake and the lake only opened up like once every seven years or so they say seven year cycles and they they showed us the midden, and the midden was huge, and it, and it had layer upon layer upon layer. And when you think, and then and then they said that the, oh, they only come once every seven years, and so they had all these hundreds of layers, and uh, and they only ever went there once every seven years when the when the when the entrance opened up. So they're very they're they're a, they're a place of uh, celebration. They're a place of a pl- uh, plentifulness as well, you know. So when you're there, you're eating well, and 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 and, and it'd be to it'd be um, to coincide with with the, with the uh, say uh, like I said the one the one year in seven cycle, but also they would go there for uh, uh, say the prawns are running on the beach or, or the, you know or the fish are running. And and that's where they go and, and, and yeah so there were markers you know um, that's, great description that was wonderful. Do you think that's out. good? Yeah, that was no. really good. Oh, yeah. I think the, one of the really important things to take from this story is that it's Byron Bay, um, which unfortunately is overrun <laughs> yeah. with, with people and tourists and the likes. And I think just educating people. There's so much, so many people coming in, coming out, coming in, and, you know, they don't know, they don't really have respect for country. Um, And I think that's, yeah, a really big, big determinant of these middens being destroyed. Like, you know, the wild weather's always going to have weather. (laughs) And and, and if you don't know, you'll just walk, oh, there's a lot of shells there, you you know, and you just keep going, you know, Mm. like... uh, but, uh, yeah, so the ones where you see the layers and you're going, oh, wow. Yeah, but wow. I will say, if you ever are in Byron Bay, look up Delta K. She does amazing tours down there and she will show you these sites and she'll show you the bush tucker and show you how to respect country. So, yeah, that's just a little little tip. Also, our, our uh, lovely uh, receptionist team received a call. Someone uh, um, messaged in talking about uh, middens. Uh, there was a bit of... A, lost in 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 the uh translation but uh, uh there was talk that there's a mid and out at ipswich i'll yeah. have to follow up maybe that was comrade daniel uh calling in and uh i'll follow up on that one i think and uh i'm pretty i might even know where it is but uh um yeah yeah it's um they're very cultural significant things yeah so thank you for the hot tip on that one all right so we're going to do a bit of workers action now Right. Oh well, I'll go since this one says Rafu. I think this is for me, <laughs> and I will disclose that I work for Rafu. But I uh, uh, look, everyone in the team agrees that these are two great stories uh, um, put together. Um, so uh, here we go. Rafu has launched historic union court action in the Federal Court of Australia against Woolworths for its targeted campaign against members at Woolworths Lilydale. 
management targeted members for taking action on an unsafe car park, threatening them for completing a petition and demanding lights be left on at night so they could get to their cars safely. Just a disgusting union busting at the multi-billion dollar Woolworth supermarkets because workers campaigned for safety. I know, and then another one from us. Rafu has launched the first ever worker and union court prosecution of JB Hi-Fi after the multi-billion dollar company tried to ban members campaigning at work. Explicitly acknowledging no uniform policy stopped uh, Rafu members from wearing masks, tees and hoodies. The company specifically wanted to ban union campaign. Uh, well, that's just disgusting union busting once again. 83% of workers face workplace harassment at JB Hi-Fi and over the coming weeks, uh, Rafu will be exposing much more about just how bad gender discrimination and sexual harassment is at JB Hi-Fi. They thought banning u- union campaigns uh, banning union campaigns would stop our members. Don't mess with Rafu, man. No way. They'll come for you. That's right. Because th- this is about we we encourage our members to you know have conversations and 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 um, you know campaign actively in their workplace. That's what it's all about. That's how the revolution will happen. Conversations in the workplace. Conversations yep. with your families. So that's what we encourage. And and you know a t-shirt here and there. And we gave every Melbourne um, a resident. A, a face mark, a, a face, a Rafu face mask, you know, um, quite good quality ones as well, you know. So, um, yeah, and, that, and that's just part of being union, part of being a worker. But uh, companies like, uh, you know, JB Hi-Fi and Woolies, have, who have had it so good for so long, um, think that they can, you know, pressure pressure the uh, uh, the members um, just for campaigning, not on. And um, yeah, we're taking the. Uh, uh, well, some may say risk. Yeah, you know, we've got to, you know, those lawyers aren't cheap, I'll tell you what, you know, but uh, this is a fight worth fighting. And I'll tell you what, I on on uh, both of these motions, I voted yes. Nice as one. did the rest of the committee unanimously. So, yeah, we, we want to back our, our members. That's what we're about. That's the type of union we are. Righto. Um, the next, the next, I think I'm going to just... Um, skip what we were talking there because I wanted to um, I was nearly going to talk about something uh, 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 never uh, a great article um, from Al- Alison uh, Pennington is her name but I'm just going to skip for because I think that I, I really want to um, talk about this and I haven't read too much so I'm I'm reading it um, for only the second time here myself Refugees forcibly relocated from Mantra Hotel in Melbourne. And there's a, a story from the Green Left Weekly's uh, Chloe De Silva. Refugees were removed under excessive police presence from the Mantra Hotel in Preston in Melbourne's north to a new location in Melbourne's CBD on December 17. More than 60 refugees have spent the past year imprisoned in the Mantra Hotel. The refugees were given no indication of where they would be taken before being transported on buses to the Park Hotel, which is formerly the Ridges of Melbourne, in Swanston Street. 
And so there, the Ridges Hotel was the site where hotel quarantine breaches contributed to a second wave of COVID-19 cases in Melbourne, which resulted in more than 760 deaths and a 12-week lockdown of the entire city. For shame. More than 100 protesters gathered at the mantra demanding the refugees be freed, not relocated. They chanted, free them, don't move them. And we mobilise and fight for their freedom. The mantra refugees were detained on Manus Island for seven years before being brought to Melbourne under the Medivac legislation to receive medical care. Some have received little or no medical treatment. Activists on the ground demand the refugees be given permanent residency and are calling for an end to mandatory detention. One of the refugees, Moz Azimi, broke the news of the forced relocation this morning, or this was last week, uh, via Twitter. We are being transferred to another detention. Refugee activist Jacob Andrewatha told Green Left there was an excessive police presence, including mounted police on site. But there was also a large and peaceful group of protesters showing their solidarity with the refugees. So great stuff. Uh, I, I really wanted to put that at, at a prime spot in our, in our show and for us to chat a little bit about it because um, we're dealing with it here in Brisbane. Yes, mm. we are. And so uh, we've got. Uh, what, what do they do? They they try and send them out to Bida. Yeah, yeah, the Brisbane immigration something. Yeah, and, sneak and them out. There was some. Out, I, I just just on the segue from Raf, I was uh, I, I was watching. It's so great to uh, see see uh, union members. You know, like of uh, many unions have been out there. The ETU Youth Crew, uh, the the MEAA have been out there at. Uh, at uh, Kangaroo Point and, um, uh, you know, pl- plenty of uh, other unions. Yeah, Sorry if I missed it. union presence has been awesome. You know, Services Union, yeah. Together. Um, y- y- there's been... I'm going to miss one, so <laughs> so I'll, I'll just stop there. But uh, when you uh, log on to Facebook Live and you see a couple of Rafu shirts at a rally, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, feels a, an old unionist with, with pride. And, and, and that's what it's... You know, this is union business. This is workers' business. That's that's why we report on it here on Workers' Power. They're workers. You know, how many was there down in Melbourne? There's 90-odd or something. Is uh, it? 60. 60. 60 in Melbourne. Well, we've got 120 here in Yeah, I Brisbane. think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, at the end of the day, they'd be spending more money. Oh on, yeah, on, yeah. On on keeping them imprisoned, than than what if oh if they were on the you know if they were on the dole you know as the well privilege. they wouldn't get the full dole anyway yeah. as we've discussed on this show well, before. As we know, the government actually doesn't care about saving money; they just want to punish poor people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's well, that's a that that would make for the premise of a whole show, wouldn't it? I think yeah. that would. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, that's right. Here on our workers' power, we we stand up, we fight back, and we we are trying to uh, we try to uh, balance out the media by reporting on, on these types of issues and 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 putting it in a workers' uh, light. Um, yeah, some uh, may call us biased, and we probably yeah, we're are. Biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we 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 totally uh, biased to the workers and the yep. working class, and 
Um, yeah, and uh, I'll stand up for workers any day of the week. Yes, and we I think will. while it's important, like while it's great that union members are out there at protest supporting the refugees, what we really want to see is workers in the workplace supporting the refugees, taking strike action or strike type action to slow down production and uh, force uh, the bosses to lose profits, and then yeah. and then like they get their lapdogs, the politicians, to actually make the changes that their workers are pushing for. Yeah, it's hit them where it hurts. That's that's exactly what we're going to be talking about on the interview um, uh, with the with oh, the coals workers. Basically, what you've said, that, yeah, cool. that's that's what's go- what's going on with these workers at the moment. Yeah, so they've been locked out of the workplace, and um, yeah, and uh, and and the government, like as you were saying, the government coming. And, and change the laws for them. Yeah, the, the government at the moment, these IR laws uh, that, are, that are coming in, we talked a bit about the boot last week. Um, a, a great segue to this piece that, uh, that uh, we won't go to a break because we've just had a great segue into, uh, into the other aspects of what the government is doing, exactly that, changing the laws, um, you know, to, at, at the will of the bosses. So this is from uh, and, uh, the, the title of, uh, of the story or this par- particular paragraph and which caught my eye because we always talk about this at uh, Workers' Power is Never Let a Crisis Go to Waste. And it, it's an excerpt from a piece by Alison Pennington who is a senior economic economist with uh, Centre for Future Work. Um, she's associated with the Australian Institute and is also a member of the uh, Life, the Living Incomes for Everyone campaign and was one of the keynote speakers. This is really good, This uh, so I thought I'd share with comrades. Thanks to four decades of neoliberalism, unions have been weakened. As a result, abuses that we associated with the 18th and 19th centuries have returned, such as peace work, at home work and the dictatorial control of gang masters over who did and did not work. The abuses are dressed up in new packaging, as with the gig economy. Today, 2.6 million workers, one in every four, are defined as casual. This means no right to ongoing work and no basic holiday or sick leave entitlements. While this is justified by the claim that casual workers receive extra pay, casual loadings, I'm doing the uh, inverted commas, comrades, to compensate, this is a myth. Most casuals are in fact much worse off. One third receive no loadings and most casuals are paid about the same as permanent workers in the same jobs. In industries with a high casual workforce, the premium is around 4 to 5%. Nothing like the oft-cited figure of 25%. 20, yeah, Bosses love to praise the virtues of flexibility, claiming that casuals don't want permanent work. But this is also a lie. Lies. <laughs> Half of all casuals have worked regular shifts for one year or more. Casual work used to be about allowing firms to employ a few extra workers on a seasonal basis. Now... Casual work is increasingly the way businesses meet their medium and long-term labour needs. And in the post-COVID era, they increasingly see casual labour as the foundation for boosting profits. 
Two recent major court cases found that businesses that employ casuals on a regular, stable and predictable schedules are liable to pay leave entitlements. In response, business lobbyists uh, unleashed campaigns to resolve the definition issue so as to avoid court-ordered repayments. This and the growing importance of casual works work to profits explains why Morrison and Porter have made entrenching casual work the cornerstone of their IR omnibus bill. They define casual work in the broadest possible terms. Any job deemed casual by the employer will be legally a casual job. Your job can look like a permanent job and smell like a permanent job, but employers will still be able to legally engage you as a casual and strip your legal entitlements at will. To most Australians, the pandemic highlighted the dangers of insecure work, but for the Coalition and their business allies, it changed nothing. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg announced JobMaker, a payment that directly subsidised new, insecure youth jobs and will allow bosses to sack existing, more expensive and older workers. It is interesting that the JobKeeper subsidy is set to end in March, exactly when Porter's wage-cutting tools are due to kick in. Employers will go on the offensive, recouping lost public subsidies by taking even more from their workers. Oh, this story's got me all riled up. That's I'm good over one, here isn't just it? shaking my head. Oh, we dream of casual, or we dream of full time work, of permanent work in my household and my friends yeah. and my family. We all dream of that stability, you know, and yeah. those entitlements and the ability to get sick and have a week off without freaking out that you're not going to pay, be able to pay the rent or feed yeah. your kids. And now well, it's just getting even worse. It's I like, oh. want to go on a holiday at the end of 2021. Holiday? I yeah. don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't, I don't that's right. <laughs> What's a yeah, holiday? That's right. You know, it's something <laughs> as simple as that, you know. so To say, to suggest that casual workers don't want permanent workers is just ridiculous it is. and offensive. It, it, it definitely is. And, uh, yeah, there was a great piece for, for, from there. So that, last week we talked, I think it was last week, we talked about the boot which the government are trying to change things to the boot. And that was just touching on um, the, the, some of the changes that are, that are happening with the casualisation and what what they're trying to do is, you know, yeah, the, as, as the story said, there was two court cases recently said that casuals were entitled to sick leave and annual leave. If, they, if, they, if you're in the same job, same roster for three years... You know, pay them a holiday pay for yeah, God's sake. Come know, on, right? <laughs> you know, they, 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 you know, it affects a lot of this affects the fly and fly out workers. You know, they're, where 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 they're on their big coin, perceived big coin, but you know, the the sacrifices that that, that them and their families makes for for really, you know, the, they're not earning all that much in the big scheme of things. So. Um, yeah, well, um, that, that's us reporting on it. And uh, I can say here, make sure you stay tuned to Workers' Power in 2021 to hear how we're standing up and fighting back. Yeah, um, and I think, like, the way that we dream of getting permanent work... It's sad. Yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's, it shows how far we've fallen since, like, the 70s when people thought of permanent work as something monotonous and something to be free from. Like, the w- amount of ground we've lost since then, like, we've... 
we're, we're, we're fighting against the same conditions that were being fought against like in the early 20th century and um, yeah I don't know it's just a very sad sight and it shows how much work we've got to do like w when we look at how much they fought to actually get to that point in the 70s from the industrial revolution uh it's a bit yeah that's, grim, a, that's but a really good point. the fact that they were able to do it in the first place can give us a bit of hope i suppose we can look at how they did it i guess so obviously the conditions are quite different now and we're running out of time due to climate change but uh, there's always reasons for hope if you look yeah, you got to have hope, otherwise you haven't got much else, really. <laughs> okay, so it's time for some international workers' action. What have we got? Uh, first up, we have a mine factory burned down in Yate, New Caledonia. The industrial site of Vale in New Caledonia, shut down due to the uprising triggered by its takeover, has again been the target of fires and damage on Monday, December 14th. The fire broke out in the early evening Monday and destroyed a stock of tyres, machinery, administrative offices and a stock of oil on the site of this hydro-metallurgical plant of cobalt and nickel, classified Seveso II and located in the south of the archipelago. Rioters last week cut a pipe of water and dug a trench in the road and set fires in several places. This chemical plant, backing onto the rich Goro deposit, has been stationary and under the protection of the police since Thursday after being stormed with trucks by anti-colonial revolutionaries opposed to its sale to a consortium with Trafigura, a commodity trader. The Kanak and Socialist National Liberation Front, FLNKS, and Usain du Sud Factory Pays Collective and the Indigenous Customary Negotiating Body, ICAN, reject this transaction and advocate the nationalisation of mineral resources. All last week, this issue was at the origin of an out outbreak of a major uprising on the Kailu, which rekindled opposition between anti-colonial insurgents and colonisers. New Caledonia was first colonised by France in the 19th century and was used as a penal colony where political prisoners, including anarchists like Louis Michel, were imprisoned. The French colonisers conf confined indigenous Kanaks and reservations while exploiting New Caledonia's natural resources, particularly nickel. Indigenous Kanak people have fought back against the French colonisers in a series of conflicts using guerrilla warfare since the late 19th century. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a familiar story, that one, isn't it? Sorry, Bill, you sneaked in while <laughs> I, I was reading. Yes, sorry. <laughs> it's a very familiar story, this one, isn't it? Uh, you can draw uh, comparisons to uh, First Nations uh, people here in uh, so-called Australia. Yes, yeah, many well, comparisons. They are our very close neighbours over yeah. to the east a bit, um, except uh, they have had a bit more success, I suppose, with their fighting back as they f uh, forced the French to uh, have two referendums for independence from France, actually. Though, unfortunately, both those referendums, uh, the people voted for to stay as part of France, unfortunately, for the indigenous people of this uh, island. But the struggle continues. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And, yeah, it looks like... Th um, 
France is taking full advantage of their uh, control over the place by selling the um, selling this uh, nickel mine, or I think it is. I think it's a nickel mine to yeah. the uh, to some multinational. It's going to make a lot of money and probably pay the politicians a lot of money too. Yep, yep. The 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 bosses and the, well, the capitalists get get all the money, and the and the workers and the and their indigenous people get left with all, all the damage, all the suffering, and they're paying some of that back. It seems. Mm. Right. Well, that, oh look, another one from India. We got you got a story, a, a quite a specific story here from India, Jackson. Yeah. So this one isn't actually related to the enormous strikes that are going on. Though I, I think I would like to report more on that in the future since it's so important. So a riot erupted at the Western iPhone factory in Narasar. Narasapura, India, over unpaid wages, causing an estimated $60 million of damage. The riot involved almost 2,000 workers who rose up against the capitalist conditions of exploitation at the iPhone factory. Videos from within the factory show rioters starting a fire, damaging machinery, smashing windows, and even overturning cars in the parking lot. Militant workers destroyed the company's furniture, assembly units, and set fire to vehicles. The riot was sparked by anger that the company was not paying the amount that was promised to them at the time of joining. Thousands of iPhones were expropriated during the riot, and the uprising has caused Western to suspend production of iPhones for two weeks. Because the incident occurred before the peak Christmas season, Western's losses could be larger than the preliminary estimate. Nice. (laughs) That's it. It's the only only message the the bosses uh, see. Yep, hit them where it hurts. Good right. job. Good. And uh, just thinking about uh, India and, and covering that more, you, uh, I think I might know the uh, comrade who could could, could uh, come in and have a chat with us about it, uh, Navdeep from, uh, well, he's, he's, he's part of... Uh, He's part of the he's run as a Greens candidate before, but uh, um, yeah, he's he's he was part of the organising of the Solidarity Rally and and the like. So uh, I've got a pretty good relationship with Nab. He's a great comrade, and uh, got a good uh, community um, uh, outreach in, in uh, the Springfield area. So we'll, I might uh, and he, and he's very well versed on on what's happening uh, over in India. So we we let's might do try. that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, because January might be January is is notoriously slow for union news. So um, one of the, the, the shows in January, we might have Nev Depp on uh, and um, we'll have a special chat about, uh, you know, with 250 million workers um, standing up and fighting back, I'm sure we could uh, fill up at least half oh, the yeah. show talking <laughs> about that. I think so. Workers' Shout! Workers' Shout! We're we're joined on the phone by um, uh, a member, some comrades from United Workers Union. We've got uh, Debbie and Craig. Uh, um, could could you hi hi Craig hi Debbie and Craig. Hi, how are you? Hi, hi. Could you uh, guys uh, uh, give us a, each a, a brief intro and to start us off? Yep, so my name's Deb Black. I'm a union official uh, in the Queensland Logistics team. Um, United Workers Union. And I'm Craig Wong, um, also a union official um, in the Queensland Logistics team. 
All right, right on. And uh, so uh, to start out, we well, I think the main um, story that uh, we all are interested in is the uh, Smeaton Grange Coles struggle uh, down at which, uh, for those that don't know, it's Campbelltown, basically, out in the southwest of Sydney. Uh, can can you guys start off with, uh, we'll go into a bit of the background. Did, so uh, to start out, uh, did, did Coles... Uh, come to the uh, negotiating table way back in the beginning um, were they were there willingly or was there a struggle even to get that far um, there were op- open uh, negotiations right up until I suppose um, the end um, but a bit of background on, on the struggle right now on, on where we're at is um, you know um, in the in the two to three years, the shed will at Smith and Grains will be um, going automated. They're closing down, um, so robots will be coming and replacing human beings to do that. Meaning that 354 employees will be out of a job. So Coles refuses um, to give uh, employment opportunities um, in the new automated shed. Uh, and the main struggle um, at the moment is that the uh, redundancy package, uh, with 60% of the members being 45 uh, and above, but an average service of 20 years service uh, for each employee. Uh, members are also concerned with certain measures uh, in the agreement that would uh, ensure they make it um, make it to the end. So despite the fact that Coles is offering a full four weeks and cap at 80, um, there, is, uh, there is a clause in the agreement that states that the max 80 is only at closure so that's the problem there that they only get that offer that Coles is saying that there's a reasonable offer only if you make it to the end of the agreement um, so a full by 80 um, is not good enough by uh, the members um, and the current as it sits the offer it would be four by 52 so with the service record that the guys have there um, you know and, and the age demographic that um, you know that um, yeah, that, that are working in a workplace, it's going to be a bit harder for them to find work at this stage. Yeah. So uh, a fair redundancy is what they're looking for. So um, they want to add boat up um, and and and, and better, a better offer than what is um, currently uh, being offered on the table. Yeah, just on that point, the, uh, the, the so the, the the bosses, you know, put put a uh, an agreement to the workers, and the workers voted no. Correct. That's correct. So then they um, they also then elected to uh, take a twenty four hour stoppage, um, where Coles um, come back and basically they said you're locked out until February. So they, um, uh, Mr. Swindle, has decided to put lots of videos up on their internet, I suppose, directed at the workers at Smeaton Grange and has never is basically trying to force them into this this uh, agreement and is now promising that they are looking to extend the lockout beyond February. And essentially it's it's it was it was planned by Coles um and this is what the tragic situation uh, is is that there are families, for example, when I was down there a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to, obviously, a lot of the members, but in particular, a couple, two people, a husband and wife that work at the site, and they have three children, and now they are both without work. 
and indefinitely at this point. People are taking their money out of their super in order to survive. Oh, for shame, you know. They, they, they shouldn't have to, have to be taking out of their retirement to uh, fund their current lifestyles because they've got a crappy boss. <laughs> um, exactly. And, I mean, you've got to remember that these people that work at, at, at Smeet and Grange um, and literally across, the, you know, the Storm and Packers, and the people, they are our essential workers. They work through the bushfires to get food on people's tables and through this pandemic. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last for, but these guys are basically being kicked in the butt by their bosses saying, thanks for your hard work, but you know what? Tough shit. We're going to actually have robots taking over your jobs. And that's why the guys down there are standing strong. Like, it's tough, but there's been a massive community... um, uh, rally around these workers, um, you know, where, where we had a local church communities bring hampers and, and baskets of food and, and Christmas presents for everybody. And, you know, it's just, and bakeries and, and you know, um, fruit trees bring food just down there just to help people put food on their tables. Hi, Debbie and Craig. My name's Hannah. How are you going? Good. Hey, Hannah. Hey, um, so I have a question. I was just wondering if this is something with, uh, which is common in this industry with workers getting the boot to be replaced by um, machinery, basically. Is this something you see, you see more often? Sorry, we didn't quite get that. The, the line's bad. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's our fault. Um, I was just wondering if this is a trend which is increasing with workers in this industry getting the boot to be replaced by um, automation. Yes, it yes, is. It is yes. Um, so we, we, there, are, there is another shed that's going to be closing as well in New South Wales going towards automation as well as two here in Queensland, which is, a, a, we, we know about it, which is going to equate to nearly, what, 1,500 people losing their jobs within the next um, two to four years to automation. Um, and essentially, at the end of the day, you know, we have to stand up. We have to say to Coles and companies that are looking to do this massive automation move is that you have to treat your workers with respect. Some of these people have worked in the, at that shed and in this industry all their lives. They don't know anything else. You know, they, they're coming up to 45. Some of them are, you know, nearly at retirement, five or so years before retirement. And they were looking to, you know, work up until retirement in that particular role and now they have such an uncertain future there's no retraining because it's too late yeah i imagine it'd be really really difficult if not not impossible for many of these workers to find new employment exactly exactly and and uh, the the largest growing um uh, a group of uh, workers that that are on unemployment benefits are women over 45 so you know That's like correct. yeah yeah so so a lot of you, you mentioned that that family before you know that you know th- th- that women woman has probably got little to no chance of ever being hired again um so uh it's very very important that uh and the bosses look after us and find pathways you know coles is a is a huge company um that could could well afford to look after these workers correct yes yes they do they they no doubt have um, have the funds to be able to um, get to these families and these workers um, 
that they've delivered through the bushfires and delivered through the pandemic. And still now, again, another outbreak and panic buying happening in Sydney. Um, the workers are, are, are getting on with it. You know, like, they, the, the workers' intent were, or the members' uh, intent was to exercise their, their right um, by taking industrial action for 24 hours um, and then was going to go back and um, deliver Christmas um, as they, they've always done. And um, the response from, from Matt Swindles was to lock them out um, for three months. And over the Christmas period, and how un-Australian is that, to take that away from um, all their families and, and his workers that, that have worked hard through through the pandemic and still working um, now in the other shed there in Sydney uh, and, and delivering. Um, and all they're asking for is a fair redundancy. Um, it's inevitable the robots are going to come and replace them. Uh, but they're saying that, you know, what we want is just a fair go and, and you know, what what we need to, to survive um, when when the shed shuts down. So that's, that's where it's at at the moment. The current update now is that the union, you know, we're attempting to contact Coles for a meeting. Matt Swindles refuses to um, attend uh, as he didn't want to um, be seen as uh, giving in. Um, so he's released two videos to members threatening that um, if they don't accept the offer, lockout period will be extended. Uh, members have accepted the 3.5% um, uh, increase that they offered. Uh, Coles then, are, uh, you know, ceded to a volunteer redundancy of um, four, four weeks at 52. Cap will be until, the, um, until June the 30th, uh, 2021. Uh, anything after that will be, you know, four by 80. Uh, members voted to reject that offer, um, and they just feel that if we if we get back to the table, this can be resolved. Um, but Coles don't want to. They've locked them out. Um, they've gone radio silence, um, and just don't want to don't don't want to be halfway or even sit down and have a discussion. Whether that's you know back at the bargaining table uh, or, or at fair work um, at mediation, that's. That's where we're at at the moment. So they're just refusing to to have a discussion. Um, and Matt Swindles is his pride is getting in the way, um, and and all these families are suffering throughout Christmas um, because he just can't come to a meeting and sit down and have a talk with his workers. That's all. That's all we'll take to to, to sort this out. To, to sit down and have a chat about it, um, and that's not happening. Is it legal what they're doing? Like, it just seems to me it's quite flabbergasting that they can lock workers out just like that, you know, just be done with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it is a law. It is legal. Um, so the companies can lock you out. Um, they can lock you out for a time period or they can lock you out indefinitely for years and years and years. Um, and it's a system that's broken, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> sounds that, like it. That, yeah, it's... It's absolutely broken, you know, um, and how do workers that build these corporations um, to what they are today off the back, backs of uh, working class and hardworking men and women that have done, done this work are now asking for a fair go, you know, fair redundancy uh, and, and conditions that, you know, they go out with a bit of dignity, you know, and respect, um, and they're not getting that at all, you know. Um, yeah, it's, 
terrible. The system needs to change, you know. You, we, and we, need, we all need to stand up and fight back because we're leaving a legacy for our children that essentially they, these jobs will be obsolete. We, that it'll be like the old telephones, you know, that hung up on the wall. It's they're obsolete, and this is where we're heading, unfortunately. That's right, and uh, I'll, I'll be in doing a bit of research. I found an excellent article um, on on lockouts, and it, w- it was um, mainly US US centric. But their bosses are increasingly using this tactic um, in America, the lockout, and now we're starting to see it. This is the the worst case of it we've seen in the last few years here in Australia. So it's uh, it's something for 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 workers to uh, acknowledge and, and know that this is the another dirty, grubby boss's tactic to, against the workers. Exactly. It's an it's it's, it's company. It's a company tactic. Um, Margaret Thatcher used this uh, back in the day against the um, the coal miners, and literally, it's an it's an attempt to erode uh, unionism and workers' rights. And this is exactly why coals are, are doing this. In in you know, in my personal belief, it's just disgusting. It's 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 just yeah. It's I feel so so terrible for those workers that are going through this at the moment. Yeah, we do too, and we stay here on workers' our, our workers' power. We stand in solidarity, and uh, so how how, how can uh, workers uh, from other industries uh, show solidarity? So, first of all, boycott Coles. Do not shop at Coles. We uh. if we send a message <laughs> from a national perspective, not only by not shopping at Coles, but by Jumping on our website uh, at unitedworkers.com.au um, and uh, and even our Facebook page and and checking in on the progress and having a look. There's plenty of petitions. Um, there's putting your hand up for for online picket action or even actually at the gates um, where we you know we do our thing. Um, we try and stop productivity as much as we can. Um, and also, most importantly, um, we are raising funds for these workers um, through our through trust.org. So that's also something that you can um, go to our Facebook page or website to actually help out financially if um, standing on a picket line <laughs> isn't your thing. Right on. And, uh, well, of course, I'm going to put two questions into, into the one here. If... Uh if we, we if we've got uh, well, hopefully the uh, workers' power is on the radio at the coal sheds up here in Brisbane and uh, and the Woolworths ones and and things like that. How, how can how can those workers uh, do more? And and well, I know I know the answer to the question. They can join their union. And how do they join the United Workers Union? Again, um, through through the website, there's um, an option to join our union through the website um, or even just calling um, our member assist number, which is, all, again, on the website, um, and joining joining through that uh, those pathways. Uh, or if, we're, if you see us on site, um, it, well, you know that we are, um, you know, you're represent, representing union. Um, go and talk to your delegate or come and have a chat with us. We're more than happy to have those conversations with you to join the union. That's right. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on and giving us a rundown. Do you do you think that there's uh, anything that we've uh, that you wanted to say that we've missed out? 
No, not at all. Just make sure that you boycott Coles is all I can say. Support your local, you know, the, the little business owners there, the, your local butchers, your local bakery. Support local and, and small business, right? They're the ones that um, really suffered throughout this pandemic, got the biggest hit. Um, and, and the big corps really uh, profited through through it because we went and shopped there. Um, and it's time that we, you know, divert our money to to, to local um, businesses and, and, and shop there. So, yeah, boycott Coles that, you know, they're not doing right, the right thing by their workers. They shouldn't, they shouldn't um, profit from it, you know, and, and support um, um, workplaces or, or corporations that do, do the right thing by their workers, you know, um, and, and respect them. So, yeah, yeah, go and buy local from your local bakery and, and your butchers and, and so forth, you know, the little guys that, that need um, need that money to recover now throughout this pandemic that we've, we've had. Um, and, and Coles can definitely go without... Um, That's wonderful advice. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm well. It's my pay, my last payday before Chrissy. I've got to go do the Chrissy shopping, and I tell you what, I won't be stepping foot inside of Coles. Um, yeah, I'll go and give a couple hundred bucks to my local butcher rather than uh, um, you know path these grubs. <laughs> now, I just want to ask one last question. Matt Matt Swindle, he is he the uh, operations director or what? What's the title He's there? The CEO. So COO, so the Chief uh, Operating Officer. Oh, so he's Stephen Kane's sidekick, yeah? Yeah, so yeah. he's also on the Board of Directors as well. All right, uh, well, uh, those that uh, know the show, uh, this is a big, huge hint, but uh, stay stay tuned uh, here to Workers' Power because uh, we think that uh, Matt Swindle's going to win himself a little bit of an award later on in the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, look, look. Maybe even send him an email telling him how well, his uh, abhorrent behaviour needs to stop and he needs to treat his workers fairly. Yeah, well, uh, him and uh, Stephen, they're, they're, they're well in the uh, contention for uh, the Scallywag of the Year award. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Matt's definitely going to win the Scallywag of the Week uh, this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's a, well, I, I, I'll do a quick cross promo. Tune in next uh, Tuesday, 10 a.m. on 4ZZZ, uh, where we do this a special Scallywag of the Year. And um, we'll, we'll go through each Scallywag of the Week. And, uh, yes, uh, Stephen Kane's already had a couple in there already and uh, uh, Matt Swindle gets to go. So maybe Coles might even uh, win, win the, the, the uh, award for the year. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much uh, for, for both of you for coming on. And uh, if this uh, continues out into, out into and past February, I think uh, I might get in touch to do a, a bit of an update. Sounds great. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks. you very much, comrades. Workers Bosses All right, uh, we've we got uh, we we got plenty of time. We we I think we're settling in in now, which is really good. We did we did rush through workers' action just a little bit, but um, we're we're because we are 
we feel we're, we're so uh, chuffed with ourselves about the professionalism <laughs> that a, 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 an intro. We're, we're fine tuning our our show here today, comrades. But it's still pretty much workers' power, right? Um, Jackson, you've got a couple of interesting events. Have you found? Uh, not events, but I've got a couple of stories which All we right. can use to fill the... Oh, we've only got uh, 20 minutes left. Yeah, Look well, you guys. Give, give us one and, and uh, we'll go <laughs> to a song and then we can come back and talk scallywags. Yeah, so we got a story from Thailand where there's been a bunch of protests going on recently. So early in... Uh, and this is uh, from Peter Boyle on Green Left Weekly. Um Early in November, during a meet-and-greet session with fervent royalist King Maha Vajralongkorn, made these unexpected comments in English to foreign journalists. We love them all the same, he said, referring to the youth-led protesters who have been massing in the streets for most of this year, demanding an end to the privileges the monarchy continues to enjoy. The resignation of the current military-installed government and for a more democratic constitution... Thailand is a land of compromise, he said. These comments have now become the butt of jokes and taunts in the democracy movement because the Thai government has been escalating its attacks on democracy activists over the past weeks, and the movement is showing no sign of being cowed by the repression. So far, 23 democracy activists have been charged under the kingdom's notorious Lesser Majesta Law, Section 112 of the Criminal Code, which says whoever defames, insults, or threatens the king, the queen, the heir apparent, or the regent shall be punished with imprisonment of 3 to 15 years. That sounds horrible. Sentences for multiple convictions under this law lead to cumulative jail terms, and one individual has been sentenced to 60 years under this law. The law has not been invoked since 2018 after international concerns mounted following its use against dissidents in the wake of the 2014 military coup. Among those now facing charges are popular activists Parrot Penguin Chirarak, uh, Panupong Mike Jadnok, uh, Panusaya Rung, I can't say that last name, I'm so sorry. Um, Jotapat <coughs> Pai, also can't say that one. A bunch of activists uh, who are apparently popular and human rights lawyer Anon Numpa. Several activists have been summoned on multiple counts. Penguin is facing five counts, Rung faces three, while Anon, Mund, Chanin, Wangri face two counts each, according to a report by Kao Sod. Using Article 112 makes freedom of expression non-existent, said Pai. There is no justice. We will not be bound by the dictatorship, and we do not accept Section 112 as law, added Mike in a defiant mood as he and others turned up for police interrogation over the charges. There has also been a rise in the number of people charged under the public assembly laws and Section 116 of the severe state of emergency decree declared by Prime Minister and former General Prayat chan on October 13th. Uh, according to Thai Lawyers for Human Rights, the number of people charged under public assembly laws have tripled, tripled since then, and 175 people have been charged under the emergency decree. The number of activists detained for more than two weeks without convictions has also risen. Far from being intimidated, the democracy movement has focused its sights on the huge wealth accumulated by the king at the direct expense of the public. 
A huge demonstration took place outside the Siam Commercial Bank on November 25th after police prevented protesters from approaching the Crown Property Bureau with a barricade of shipping containers and razor wire. The CPB is supposed to manage Crown Property, as distinct from the King's private property, but the Prayat regime has been transferring more and more of its assets directly to the King, who is already the richest monarch in the world. According to Andrew McGregor Marshall, a former Reuters Deputy Bureau Chief, uh, who Thai police accused of committing lesser majesta, the most common figure for the Thai King's wealth is $30 billion, but this is an underestimate. The King is one of 10 billionaires in Thailand, with a combined wealth of US $5.7 billion US dollars as of June, according Yep, Thailand holds the 19th spot in the 20th countries with the most billionaires, yet many Thais live in poverty, and Thailand is one of the most unequal countries in the world, and the most unequal in South Asia. A, fid- a video by the Free Youth Movement on the, eth- on the eve of the SCB protest declared, Under this state, having the king above the constitution not only disgraces the people, but also buttresses inequality. Under the state, people are ruled by capitalists, military, and feudalists who wretchedly write the law. And under the state, the ruling class oppresses the people who are the true founders and heirs of this country. Although the old is dying, the new cannot be born. This is the crisis of hegemony. To tackle it, the blind ruling class must surrender to enlightened people who wish to break the chains and make another world possible. This fight is powerfully by the people, not just free youth. With with three demands, the revision of the constitution, the reform of the monarchy, and the resignation of the dictatorial cronies, the people will liberate themselves. This is not a frivolous fad, this is a fearless fight to light up the future in our generation. This is a bit of a a laugh, you've got got to laugh in these... These situations, but the, uh, the 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 19th century is called Thailand, and they want their exploitative uh, leading class back. <laughs> you, there's not many monarchs left at what left in the world, is there? No, no. There's like Denmark, and yeah. there's a few, few here and there. Yeah, uh, there's there's, there's like Australia and Canada. Well, and the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. True, we are. Yeah, technically, we, we're <laughs> technically a monarchical society, but uh, there's not the uh, ruling classes. Well, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's, we don't have there's not an aristocracy. Yeah, there's not yeah. a billionaire class. A capitalist class. Yeah. Um, well, good luck to those uh, Thai workers standing up and fighting back for uh, change on uh, on more than one level. And I do hope they go past reform of the monarchy. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> like, that's right. Come on, it's 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 twenty twenty. Let's just get rid of them. <laughs> even even the capitalist country has gotten rid of the monarchs, even it, though they did just replace them with billionaires. Yeah, back in the eighteenth century, the, <laughs> the French came up with a great solution to the yeah. monarchy, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, during the break. Jackson has been rustling up a poll which is going up on our webpage for mm. all of our listeners to pop on to. Uh, lots of been shared on our Facebook page. Uh, we want to get your feedback and hear what you think, um, who you think should be our Scallywag of the Year. It's a really big deal being named Scallywag of the Year. It's a great dishonour. 
So please let us know what you think. What's our website again, Jackson? Uh, theworkershour.blogspot.com. <laughs> yes, theworkershour.blogspot.com. Despite our having changed to workers' power, we weren't able to edit the name. But anyway, our you know our fans and listeners, I'm sure you know. It's part where of the history. Yeah, oh, they started out at as an hour, and they couldn't shut that bill up, so they had to give them two hours. Yes. <laughs> so please either go there or to our Facebook page and pl- let us know what you think. Because next week it's all about the scallywags of the year. We'll be looking back over who we've named and shamed this year and we'll be finishing off with the ultimate scallywag of 2020. Yeah, and uh, some of the nominations... I'll go through some of the nominations again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got uh, Rio Tinto, who have been destroying caves sacred to First Nations people. Scrubs. Justin Hemmies, who's a $126 million wage theft... And 100 hour working weeks uh, got got uh, him a a, a, a nomination. Ugh, Alan God. Joyce, uh, wage thief, and uh, now he's he's forced. There's just been announced some forced redundancies and just being a general scallywag. I, 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 I'm, there's more to that. I'm sure uh, Peter B. Eugenie will give me a big rundown this afternoon. Um, Serco running the refugee camps. Uh, yeah, concentration dogs. camps, yeah. Well, Christine Holgate, this is a fun. <laughs> we can have a laugh at this because, look, they are a scallywag. Oh, we called her out and she got fired. Yeah, so, that's you know, it. It's that's all about it. workers' power. So, yeah, that's right. Well, so, some of these, yeah, 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 they've been called out after um, being... Well, they've, they've been found out after being called out by us. We have the power. That's right. And Coles, of course, are going to be well in the mix. Uh, Mackers. Um, putting people to work in 50 degree heat, putting people to work in a pandemic, uh, forcing yeah, uh, convicted in, in the federal court of not letting kids go to the toilet. Ugh, don't go to Macca's, don't go to Coles, don't go to Woolies. <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, well, Andrew For- Forrest, need we say more, you know, he's just a great out I mean, man. the biggest thing, which I think uh, is what I is what motivated me to add him to the shortlist for uh, Scallywag of the Year is that he is behind, he's basically the mastermind behind the cashless debit card policy. Ugh, yeah. yeah. So it's just evil, people. evil. Yeah. yeah. That's his thing. And, and uh, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll be going through that. There, just a note to some comrades that there is no politicians in that. Yeah, I chose yeah, to only bosses. do bosses. For Look, Scott Morrison would win. If we, exactly, if we, if we yeah. let politicians, Scott Morrison. Well, he was runner-up last year. I'm yeah, sure, that's right. He? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Scott Morrison was the only person to win more than two Scallywag of the Week awards this year, winning a total of four. Well, except you... for this week, uh, Coles has actually got themselves up to three. Oh, oh really? right. Great yeah. segue. Because this week's Scallywag of the Week is Matt Swindle, the COO of uh, Coles, the Chief Operating Officer, Um, as opposed to Stephen Kane, who is also... He's he's the boss Scallywag at Coles. Um, So, uh, yeah, but uh, Matt Swindle, for for their treatment of uh, of workers on um, Coles, Smeaton Grange, earns themselves uh, the scallywag of the week and uh, uh, puts Coles up there into uh, contention for favourite of scallywag of the year. Um, so Matt Swindle, come on, get to the uh, you, you know get to the table, 
chat with these workers. I'm sure they want to go back to work, you know, like, and, uh, you know, don't deny that there there are empty shelves on the south coast of New South Wales. I've seen plenty of antidotal evidence um, of empty shelves and being a former Coles worker, I know that an empty shelf is an empty shelf. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, but the thing is, if we've got an empty shelf and and we know that, that, that we're not going to get it stocked in for it, we fill it so that it doesn't look empty anymore. You know, uh, the, 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 the empty shelf there is, a, is an admission from the retail staff that, uh, yeah, well, that, that stuff, we can't get any, any of that. And we're, we're waiting anticipation we've, in anticipation for more. So, yes, there's been lots of antidotal evidence that uh, uh, customers are suffering. Uh, but uh, we, we call on those customers to turn, turn it around and let's make coals suffer Let's hit them where it hurts and shareholders' profits. And basically, don't do your Christmas shopping at uh, at Coles this year. It'll hit them. It'll hit them, you know, like... And if you're a Coles worker and now it's, like, slightly illegal to do strikes in solidarity with pe- against people who aren't your own boss, but uh, you can, you know, maybe work a bit slower or something. <laughs> try, to, try to hit their profits, like, in your work, you know, um, if, if you can, in, in, a, in a safe eye. way. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear any of that. I, no, no, nothing. No. Yeah, so, like, if you can, you know, try to show, show some solidarity by taking an extra long toilet but break. But don't, don't put yourself in, in danger from getting in trouble, please. We don't want to encourage that. I think the best solidarity action that a retail or, or anyone in another industry, for that matter, the best solidarity action that they could take is to have conversations with their co-workers. Yes. Education is... Unionising your workplace. Yeah, unionise your workplace. That's a great first step. So I think we are going to wrap it up because we're just about running out of time. But make sure you stay tuned for Brisbane Lines, which is up next. And have a Merry Christmas. Comrades, yeah. we'll be back next oh, yeah. week Merry with Scallywag of the Year. But yes. uh, yeah, enjoy uh, time with your family. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday on Workers Power for Triple Z. All around the world sea levels are rising and so are First Nations people. When our homelands are on fire and our rivers run dry, when sacred sites are desecrated and communities are left behind, we don't just see the climate crisis, we we feel feel it. We literally feel the pain in our own bodies when this is happening. It is our right and our responsibility to look after country. We follow in the footsteps of our ancestors, fighting for country, for culture and our future. We are seeing and our movement is growing. Mining giants are paying politicians to stand in our way, but what we have that they don't is each other. Together, we can change the course of history. It's time for much more than climate action. It's time for climate justice. It's time for everyone, everywhere, to stand up. We are the first scientists, the oldest continuing culture. We've defended Mother Earth for thousands of generations. We've survived every shitstorm that's been thrown at us. We are First Nations. We are trailblazing the path out of this crisis. 
We know what to do. It's time for you to follow our lead and together we can build a future worth fighting for. At SeedMob, we stand shoulder to shoulder with communities on the front lines of fossil fuel extraction and climate impacts. We're mobilising across the country to hold governments and big corporations accountable. We are young, black, deadly warriors and together we're unstoppable. Will you join us?